Making the right financial decisions takes time, skill, and effort. The Savvy Brokers Club podcast delivers strategies from today's thought leaders that help you build and maintain your financial freedom. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Savvy Brokers Club podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jason Finn, mortgage loan originator with Key Mortgage Services. Jason, appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, what a pleasure. Uh, where to begin? So man of many hats, was uh, once a realtor, now a current uh, poker uh, analyst, right? Yeah. Uh, but now moving into the mortgage space. So where are you from uh, originally and how did you end up in Chicago? Yeah, I grew up in the Detroit area. Okay. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan, go blue. Uh, you just lost half your audience. Uh, <laughs> well, and, a, lot of, a lot of Michigan State, uh, Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, uh, all the Big Ten, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, I came to Chicago as a consultant. I got hired by PwC right out of college. Nice. And I had an opportunity to stay in Detroit, go to New York, come to Chicago, and I always loved Chicago. And now I've been here for 25 years. Wow. And I was traveling for the first 10 years or so. I was in consulting, and I was almost always on the road, and I wanted to be home in Chicago. And I said, what can I do to ensure that I'm always in Chicago or that at least I have an excuse to be here work-wise? And I got my real estate license. And uh, for about 16 years, I practiced real estate uh, as an agent, as a broker, and uh, really enjoyed a lot of it. And, you know, like anything, there are things you don't don't necessarily uh, love or look forward to all the time. Of course. And at some point I said, I think that there's a really good opportunity on the mortgage side of business. Okay. I can work with agents uh, and know where they've been, uh, agents who work with buyers and uh, feel the joys and also the challenges of being a buyer's agent, and they might appreciate that I have that perspective as well. And I think uh, it was a great move. I made the move almost a year ago at this point, which is hard to believe. Right. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey of learning and teaching as I learn and using skills that I had in, uh, in previous jobs and wearing previous hats like you talked about and it's been it's been a great ride so far that's awesome um and i forgot to mention the marketing part of it that's a big uh component as well but like i said we'll, we'll get into all that um but yeah i you know the 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 poker part i want to talk about too just because that's a that's cool right? yeah. and how did you get into that because um, it's it's a pretty big deal as far as i'm concerned i mean nbc sports and you know all that uh, so I traveled a lot, as I mentioned, and I was at a client on and off for about three years in Indianapolis, and there were a number of other consultants there that traveled in every week, and a guy that uh, that I worked with said, well, do you want to play poker on Wednesday nights? And so we started playing, and we played all kinds of different mixed games, games you played as a kid at the kitchen table, and games we made up, and follow the queen, and games with jokers, and all that other stuff. And the more we played it, we got, the more serious we got. And I think this is probably in 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And the World Series of Poker had really blown up and some of the other poker tours. And uh, Chris Moneymaker won the main event of the World Series of Poker that year. Chris Moneymaker was uh, an accountant in Tennessee. And he bought into a satellite for $41, I think, as the lore goes. Wow. Won this satellite that bought him into this $10,000 event. And so that was exciting for us. And we said, let's start playing Texas Hold'em. At the same time, in Chicago, I was on an improv team at uh, what's now known as I.O. At the time, it was called Improv Olympic. And one of my teammates said, I know you love poker. He got me this book, and I read it, and I realized I'm doing it all wrong. So Interesting. Uh, then I went out and bought and read as many poker books as I could get my hands on. Probably read 25 or 30 books. Started a blog. Started talking about with poker with people in Chicago and all around the country. And somebody that I met by virtue of having this blog 
uh, said, uh, I know a guy who runs a poker show and I want to introduce you to him. And he introduced me to the guy who runs the poker show is, here's Jason. Uh, he loves attention. He's a goofball. <laughs> and he understands the game of poker. So I came on and did an analysis of one hand of poker on the television show. Got a call about a week, a week and a half later. And he, uh, the producer, the executive producer of the show said, how'd you like to come on as a full-time host of the show? And that was about 11 years ago. And now uh, these days we probably do three or four events a year, uh, if I've got that right. And then we do live broadcasts now. And then they get edited for, as you mentioned, NBC Sports Chicago is the local channel that, uh, that televises them. That's so cool. And a cool twist on that is 10 years to the week after Chris Moneymaker won the main event of the World Series of Poker, he was on our show. He won the tournament that day, and I got to sit and interview him face-to-face, and it was like a decade-long full circle. That was pretty cool. That is really, really cool. Yeah. And 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 so as kind of uh, the last part of that I mentioned in terms of what you do and, and your talents, that the marketing aspect of it, how have you leveraged this brand that you've created for yourself where it? I, I hear it a lot from whether it be agents, whether it be brokers, uh, you know, that almost pigeonholing yourself in, in a sense of where you have it, right? Where you said, I'm, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to do them well. Um, others fear the confusion that it causes when, you know, they're out there doing something that's not related or it's competing or whatever it is, right? Sure. And in your case, you've kind of gone through that, but it seems like it's been very, you've used it to your benefit. I think it's been a journey. I think there've been a lot of times when I've said, uh, so you mentioned marketing. I started a marketing company 11 and a half years ago uh, in April of 2011. And there were people who said, don't you worry that somebody's going to say what uh, self-respecting uh, real estate agent needs to be building websites in addition to selling houses? Or who's going to hire your marketing firm when they see you running around uh, opening doors and negotiating contracts and all this other stuff in real estate? And the two things play so well together uh, in terms of real estate agents, especially these days, really need that marketing cachet. They need to get out there. They need to meet new people all the time. And in marketing, a lot of the clients that we work for are in the real estate space. They're in, uh, they're in brokerage, they're in uh, or residential sales, they're in mortgage, they're in title. Uh, we work with home inspectors. We work with home cleaners even. Wow. Uh, so having uh, an inside knowledge and, of course, now a couple of licenses uh, in the industry is really useful in that way too. Yep. And I think you and I talked about this briefly earlier before we uh, before we clicked record, but we talked about uh, toolboxes as an analogy. And we're all just human beings, you know, and we have <laughs> these toolboxes. And the more tools you have in the toolbox, the more specific you can get in what you're doing. And so I think it's really just an advantage to have, you know, I learned a lot about negotiation from playing poker. Yeah. And I learned a lot about marketing myself as a real estate agent, being a marketing professional. Yep. So all of these things work together. And then, of course, that network continues to grow. A hundred percent. So all these things you mentioned uh, up until you, uh, you decided to start originating loans is that you, you've been doing all of these concurrently for a while now. I mean, it sounds like at least 10 years uh, with, with all three of them, right? Yeah. So how did those skills play in that toolbox? What did you reach into to start building the brand that you built for yourself to go out there and be known as now an originator, originator and now even more so letting go of, of being known as a realtor, right? Because that's, that's a huge part of it too. Yeah, that's uh, you touched on something really important, I think, which is that I have a, a terrible time letting go. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, people always ask me, how do you have time for all of these different things? And it's a, a question I haven't answered yet, but it doesn't necessarily um, cause me to uh, to start to 
cut things and and uh, and make more time for myself. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, letting go of being a real estate agent really was a challenging thing for me. And in fact, I almost renewed my uh, realtor uh, association dues this year because I couldn't imagine not having access to the MLS, or I couldn't imagine right. not having this realtor designation. Uh, and uh, and I did. I let it go. Uh, and the um, the company where I originate mortgages does not want me selling real estate also, and I don't blame them. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for conflict of interest. Sure. Uh, there are people out there who, who do it the right way, I'm sure. Uh, but I didn't need uh, yet another thing. So <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question exactly, but uh, definitely it's the case that all of these things work together. And there are plenty of people in my life who know me. You know, I have a client right now who, uh, for whom I'm writing a mortgage. And uh, his company is a big client of my marketing firm. And I never thought that that would, that anybody would take me seriously in that way. But I think it's just about being somebody that others know and trust. Uh, they know of me as an academic. Uh, they know of me as a goofball, like I described myself earlier, but also that I'm really serious about getting the job done. So if you can have fun, but people can rely on the end result, I think that's the important message. Absolutely. No, and, and that makes sense. And you didn't answer the question. I mean, through right. that. Um, and now as far as how the, the value you provide to your clients, and as we talked earlier, is that it seems like you're in partnership, right? Or want to really establish this partnership where you're adding value to the realtors that you work with through uh, some of those marketing uh, you know, uh, techniques and, and toolbox uh, tools that you have. Yeah. So tell, take me through that, just how you've started establishing relationships within you know, now being a, a loan originator, that you can leverage those skills to help your real uh, real estate clients. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a couple of different ways that I can be beneficial to agents that they enjoy working with me. The first is after almost 16 years of selling homes, uh, you know, I worked with a couple of hundred buyers, and so I know, um, I know what it's like to be of service to them, to add value to consumers who are looking to buy a home. I understand the energy and the motion that they go through and how that comes back to the agent. And so I understand uh, sort of on behalf of the agents what some of their challenges are and how to make them feel comfortable that they're, you know, not wasting their time with buyers who aren't ready to go or aren't pre-approved or um, don't have a, a real sense of what, what they're in it for, what the process is like. Uh, and also for those agents, a lot of, I work with a lot of newer agents too. And so I'm sort of in this funny position where I've sold more homes in my life than they have, and they're the real estate agent. Uh, and so I think that I can guide them and coach them. Uh, something we didn't talk about is I used to be a part of a, a coaching organization uh, before I started my marketing company. <laughs> well, So I was a coach of real estate agents at that time. Doctor, attorney also. Yeah, a little bit on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, two, uh, two gallbladder uh, surgeries a year. That's all I have time for. Just uh, for close friends and family, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you really have to lay still because I got a lot of other things going on. And if it's if I'm in a poker hand, you got to wait. Uh, so, you know, I think having the experience as an agent is a big benefit and I can help uh, agents be more successful in what they do. And sometimes we talk about the negotiation and we talk about what information to share on the mortgage side or to hold back on the mortgage side as it, as it relates to working with a listing agent, for example, uh, so that we can retain that power of negotiation. The other part of it is, as we you know mentioned earlier, agents really need to get out there more than ever. Number one, because it's a competitive landscape. Agents have gotten better at becoming marketers and self-promoters. And number two, because the industry has changed and there is a percentage of the current real estate agent population that will not be in this industry 
a year from now or two years from now, unfortunately. It's gotten a little bit more difficult. But as agents, we always talk about how there's this great big pie, and all we need is a little slice, and that pie's gotten a little bit smaller, but as long as we're getting our slice, we're still going to eat, right? And so uh, I think that we have to become more sophisticated as professionals in the real estate industry with how we reach our audience mm. and how we add value. And uh, I spoke to you earlier about this idea of uh, inbound marketing, where we put a message out there, we add value, or as my old real estate coach that I worked for used to call it, making a series of deposits. So you're not asking anything of consumers, you're instilling them with information and knowledge and tools and things of value. And then when they're ready to transact, they're going to come to you because you're the trusted advisor. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and what advice would you give now to to realtors specifically going through this transition of interest rates and just the market, you know, um, where they're having to market themselves still through this and convince people that it's a good time to buy? And I mean, there's just so many up, you know, um, just, it's nuanced, right? It's not yeah. it's not cookie cut in any in any one one way. But yeah, what advice would you give to really create a message around um, or to build trust, right, through this time. Yeah, I think for experienced agents, it's about getting back to why they got into this business and the things that they did early on to be successful. Mm -hmm. So as new agents, uh, they probably went to open houses. They might have made some uh, cold calls or less than hot calls. Let's call them warm calls. Uh, they might have connected with folks that um, at their busiest time, they might say, I don't really have time for this, or maybe they're a B, a grade B client in terms of their readiness to buy a home or something like that. Uh, and I think all of the things that you did and that I did as a new agent that helped you build your business and become successful, those are all things that we lost sight of when the market was really active and really busy. And if we get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals, uh, you're not only going to continue to find that success and continue to grow, uh, but maybe you'll have a sense of renewal in terms of, oh yeah, this is why I got into this business. This is what I loved about it. And coming out the other side, and by that, I don't think the sky is falling by any means. But when the market becomes active again, as it inevitably does in a cyclical business, you're going to come out of it huge and stronger than ever. Yeah, no, that's great advice. What's the biggest thing you had to overcome when you got into uh, what the transition from being a realtor to being a lender? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, part of it is the idea of not being able to let go. Uh, there are things about being an agent that I miss, things that I thought, oh, I was particularly competent in this particular part of this business, and I want to do more of that. I don't want to let go of something that, that I thought I was good at. Um, but beyond that, I'm not sure that there's a lot. I, I really love this transition because I still spend a lot of time with real estate agents. I still spend a lot of time in real estate offices, uh, and I get to work with agents in a way where I can be a sounding board or maybe even add some additional value to them in terms of how they communicate with their clients. And so I don't really feel like I've left being a real estate agent so much as I've become a little bit more of a, of a coach. It's like an, you know, an aging player moving to the bench <laughs> <laughs> and maybe being a voice of reason in the locker room. Interesting. No, I like that yeah. analogy. Yeah. And, and what drew you to, to wanting to leave real estate to start doing loans? Yeah. A combination of things. One is Having this marketing business and needing to spend some time at my desk could at times be in conflict with needing to have a bunch of keys and run around the city mm, and show sure, a bunch sure. of homes. Yeah. So some efficiency. Uh, number two, I think COVID and changing the way we did business a little bit during that time uh, maybe highlighted for me some of the things that I wasn't loving about it, some of the inefficiencies of running around and all of that. And then um, 
third, I think uh, I have a good friend uh, who's a loan officer uh, who does so many things so well uh, and does so many things right. And um, now he's a competitor, so you know I can't I can't say his name, but I but I still love the guy. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I learned so much from him. And I like to find ways where I can take something that somebody's done really really well and find my own wrinkle or my own approach and being being able to add value in that way. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned being an academic earlier, right? Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of development for you where when there's a lack or when you feel like you, know, you need to up your skills that you, you go to learning. And, and it seems like that's a big part of your, your, your daily routine, but your weekly routine. What advice would you give to people as far as some of those things that they should be doing mm-hmm. in order to improve their skills, right? That yeah. not, especially during these times when it's a little bit slower that now you have something to, to kind of work on so that you can be ready for when times hopefully sure. get better soon. Yeah. You do always have to be learning and developing new skills and, uh, I think this time is more important than ever to be uh, to be researching or you know reading and learning. Uh, I have uh, a dozen probably different journals or sources or whatever that automatically come into my newsreader every day nice. that I'm reading and consuming. And you know, when talking to real estate agents, they're going out and they're being asked what's going on in the market. Yeah. Uh, I send uh, I send a newsletter out every Friday to every agent that I'm connected to that I partner with. It says, here are some things to talk about this weekend if you're at an open house or if you have clients that ask you what's going on in the market. Uh, But I think there is, uh, the news does a great job with headlines, getting (laughs) your attention. And then you read the article and sometimes the headline and the article don't match. And then the news tend to be national in nature. And we have, in real estate, of course, is a very, very local business, even from neighborhood to neighborhood in Chicago. And our market is not the same by any means, as what's going on in Arizona, California, Florida, the East Coast. And so when when buyers, for example, tell me or tell a real estate agent, I'm going to wait until next year because I know prices are going to come down. There are so many parts of that statement that can be challenged and questioned to determine whether or not that's that's a good uh, a good path for them. And as real estate agents and as loan officers, it's our job to help advise and inform our clients to make the best decision for themselves. And so we really have to study the local market on a daily basis. And when somebody asks me what, what our rate's doing, uh, it's not just a number, even though that's what real estate agents want to hear is, just tell me, is it seven or is it eight today? You know, has it gotten that bad? And there's so much it depends built into there. So you have to know who your audience is and you have to tailor the message for for your audience. They, they may not want a lot of detail or they might want to know exactly what their scenario is. 100%. No, all, all good advice. What is on the horizon for you um, for 2023? What yeah. can uh, we look forward to? Yeah, I encourage you to support you in. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, I think it is, um, I feel really excited, honestly, because I have been in this business as a loan officer for less than a year, but I've been in the industry for well more than 16 years at this point. And uh, I'm excited about growing this thing and continuing to invest myself, my energy, my attention into being uh, a better and more successful loan officer. So it's about continuing to grow my marketing presence. It's about continuing to partner with agents and help them be more successful in what they do. Uh, it's about being able to recognize and appreciate the clients that I have who are buying new homes or thinking about refinancing, which of course is not really happening right now, but will uh, maybe by fourth quarter of next year. Uh, it's about continuing to be um, 
you know, the, the title of your podcast has community and business in it. And I was saying to you earlier that I love that because it really is a part of the same collective and sort of building that community and being enriched in that community is, uh, makes business rewarding. And of course, you know, in the economic sense, beneficial as well. So I think it's continuing to, to build that and to grow, uh, to grow my presence and those connections and help my clients and my agent partners. That's awesome. And how can people follow you, support you, you know, find you online, social media? Yeah, thanks. Uh, my website is jasonlens, L-E-N-D-S dot com. And I've got an active blog on there and I publish uh, something new at least once a week. And if you go to jasonlens.com slash agents, you can sign up for the newsletter that I send out every Friday. Uh, and then my uh, handle on all the social media platforms is the same, J-A-S-O-N-L-E-N-D-S on Instagram, Facebook, uh, uh, Google My Business. This is the marketer speaking is a really powerful tool that people aren't taking advantage of these days. Uh, you can find me there. And uh, and YouTube is starting to hand out handles. So by next week, it'll be youtube.com slash Jason Lenz as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you for coming in and sharing your story and for all the advice and wisdom that you shared with us. Thanks so much, Tony. It was awesome to be here. Thank you.